and welcome to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman. You are listening to me on WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. Uh, Before we get started, we're going to hear a quick little disclaimer, and then we're going to come back and unpack uh, quite a few uh, issues on tonight's show. The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241, or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Hello and welcome back. So again, you're listening to Bostonian Rap and my name is Rachel Meiselman. This is WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. This is, of course, Boston's community radio station. And as I said, uh, there is so much to unpack. And I preface so many of my shows by using that phrase. uh, But it really is, I think, the phrase to use right now because... There is very little seemingly that can be discussed and it's just simply one-dimensional. So we have a number of issues and they're very much, uh, I think, multi-layered, complex, multi-dimensional. And so it does require uh, a little bit of uh, reflection, critical thinking, and it requires just like I think the enunciation of different perspectives on, you know, the issue. So where do I begin? Uh, let's talk about methadone mile. So I've promised in previous shows that I would continue talking about that. Of course, when I ran uh, for Congress in 2020, that was very much a big issue for me. And I was really the first, and I really, I, I loathe to to refer to myself as a political figure because I, I, I'm i a populist that stood up to run for office. That That's how I feel comfortable describing myself. And so populist <laughs> running for political office. So I was, I think, really the first person to run for political office the first person to desire holding office, uh, wishing to be a public servant, that really spoke about the entirety of the ecosystem down there. And unfortunately, I haven't heard too many too many uh, current office holders who have spoken to the complexities of that area in Boston. And so for those of you who might be less familiar with Methadone Mile, uh, it is uh, an area in the Roxbury, touches South End. Really, it's actually, it's no longer just confined to Roxbury in the South End. I think it's really kind of uh, extended. It goes into uh, Dorchester, uh, so these are different neighborhoods in Boston. And what it is is essentially an open-air drug market. And 
it didn't just kind of spring up overnight. This is a longstanding problem. But I think over the last, well, I know <laughs> over the last few years, the the problem has very much um, been exacerbated by apathetic politicians, apathetic and also clueless. And that's why I think that a lot of my commentary now has very much a sharper tone because I just, I feel like I've reached a threshold and it's, we can't have people who don't know the issues stand up and run for office. I mean, of course they can, as long as they meet the requirements of, of a particular geographical space uh but it, it's it's just i i hear a lot now people are saying well i i'm fed up with things and you know what i just decided that i can do a better job so i stood up and i'm and i'm going to run and even that i i i i've been critical of because that's all fine and well but if you think you can do a better job, then you have to be able to argue that. You really do. So I don't care who it is. I don't care what letter the person has after his or her name. If the desire is to hold a particular public office, you need to know the responsibilities of that office. You need to be able to relate what it is in your background, personal and professional, that would enable you to fulfill the responsibilities of said office. And you have to be able to connect the office to the quotidian of the electorate that you're wishing to represent. And so what do I mean by the last bit? It just simply means you have to make it known, make it clear how whatever it is that you wish to do, should you be able to do it, should you be successful in being able to do it, how that's going to affect their daily lives. And we don't have too much of that. We really, we really don't. And we're paying a very, very high price. We're paying a uh, 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 the consequences of of the lack of of knowledge and expertise and and just the overall disconnect that many politicians have with the very people that they're supposed to be representing so method mile I don't want to cut the political class, so I haven't said all that. I'm certainly not going to cut the political class any slack, uh, but I do acknowledge that there have been different factors, including, of course, the pandemic, that has contributed to the deterioration of of, of that situation that has uh, lifted a critical uh, situation in, into full-blown full-blown crisis status. So it's an open-air drug market, and there's a lot of talk about opioids, but what really angers me is that even just the talk about the open-air drug market 
a lot of elected officials cannot even speak to that accurately. Uh, the fact of the matter is you can get pretty much whatever you want. I remember when I was still living across the pond when I was living in England. So some of you who've listened to me for a while know that I spent a number of years abroad. I spent nearly a decade of my life uh, living as a foreigner. And the last uh, leg of my foreign sojourn uh, was in England. So I remember at the time reading faithfully uh Daily Mail, so it's, you know, the local, one of the local uh, papers. And I I still read it, actually, uh, fairly faithfully. Um, But certainly at the time, it was very much like, okay, get up, do this, do that. And then, you know, have I I looked at the Daily Mail yet? No, no, I haven't. I got to check it out. And I remember reading about Special K. So it's uh, ketamine. And it's a horse tranquilizer. Uh, it's used by, you know, of course, veterinarians. And, I, you know, I remember reading, being horrified that people would use it. People would use it for themselves. They would use it recreationally. And it was, at least at the time, I don't know if that's still the case, it was... I remember reports about London, and there were certain circles where people had maybe very high-pressure jobs, but they earned very good money, they belonged to a certain social set, and so when they chose to relax, uh, they did it with the help of drugs, and this was one of them, and it gained in popularity because it as it was described, it, it created this, this, this really kind of surreal experience where there was this really uh, quite significant dissociation with reality. And I remember reading it and, and, like I said, being horrified, being scared. And I said to myself, my goodness gracious, I've, I can't imagine something like that. And my Boston, uh, well, now it's here. Uh, Another drug that has been around actually for a few years now, it's taken root. Um, It's hardly talked about is meth, um, meth, uh, crystal meth. And again, you know, years ago, I remember thinking, okay, meth is something that is used maybe in the Midwest, right? But it's not really used here, uh, certainly not here in Boston, right? I mean, you had drugs, you know, at the time, I'm, I'm you know, talking about however many years ago, maybe like 10 years, maybe 15 years ago, uh, something like heroin, you could find, you know, throughout the country, right? Um, we certainly have had a horrific battle with it for quite some time right here in Boston, um, in Massachusetts, in the Northeast in general, um, but you could find heroin throughout the country. But meth was something that you didn't hear too much talk about. Well, again, now it's, now it's here. 
And so for me, I do get upset. I do get very upset because at the bare minimum, there should be talk about addressing the addiction problems. And if the elected officials can't even speak to what is being used on the streets, I I don't really know what to say. How the heck are you supposed to address that or even begin to identify the extent uh, the the problem in its entirety if you don't even know what it is if you if you can't speak to it comprehensively that's a huge problem you know a lot of people and now I'm going to like ding the activists uh, a lot of people like to go down there and give out clothes and give out food And don't get me wrong, I've done that on a number of occasions, but I think we're well past that stage now. And I think that there was, uh, there's long been a need just because these people are living in misery. This, This addiction that has so gripped them has torn them apart, and they're barely living. They dwell in squalor. They daily engage in activities that demean them. They demean themselves, and, and it's obviously not intentional. It's, it's, it's that they're so much in the throes of that addiction, and they ga- engage in activity, and they live, survive, <laughs> It's not really living, is it? They survive in a way that those who don't live with addiction, some of us can't even begin to comprehend, right? So methadone mile, for those, again, who are less familiar with this area in Boston, it's, it's an area where you go to buy drugs if you're pretty far gone. Now, it doesn't mean you can't recover. Of course not. Of course not. There are some happy endings. There are some stories that that make you throw your hands up and say, thank God, right? But the people that are there, their addiction is pretty severe. And these people desperately need treatment. And so... I talked about the politicians who can't really, or a number of the elected officials can't really speak to everything that actually takes place there, except in the in the broadest, most the the the, the broadest, the vaguest of terms, which obviously doesn't inspire confidence in them, doesn't make me believe, and a number of others believe that they can actually solve this problem or begin to address it in any meaningful way. But yeah, also the activists. Let's talk about them. It's become a thing. Have you gone down to the mile? Have you gone down to the mile? And like I said, at this point, I feel like in some ways, giving these people food and clothes, it's almost cruel in a certain respect because 
I feel like it's helping them navigate misery. I, ha- I feel like it's helping them to navigate despair. Most of these people are not suffering from lack of food. It doesn't mean that they don't need to eat healthily and well. And in some cases, people do need food, desperately so. But what these people need above all is is help. They need treatment for their very, very serious addiction. And the people who go down there, I have to say this, a lot of them, they don't have any plan in mind. They don't have any solution at hand. They're not ready to say that this is what needs to be done. And rarely, let me repeat that word, rarely do they speak to the ecosystem. I'm going to use that word again. Because it's not just about the addicts down there. It's about the residents who have to live there. And they see this when they step outside their homes. When they're walking to, when they're going home, I should say, you know, after a day of of work or study or both. They see this when they leave their homes. We need to start paying attention to them and their wants and their needs because their wants and needs matter too. And I'm tired of people thinking that that's not the case. You know, when I was running for office, I remember speaking to a lovely man. And I was fortunate enough to hear his story. And so since that point in time, I've just kind of carried the memory of meeting him. And I've carried the story, his story itself, around with me. And it just, it continues to give me pause it makes me think. It really just makes me sit down and just wonder where we're going, where we need to go, and how we're going to get there. And I remember him telling me, you know, I work really hard, and I don't have much to show for it. I really don't. Most of my paycheck goes to my rent. But he'll concede that he does live in a great area insofar as it's close to a lot of things. Yet, at the same time, he has to contend with methadone mile being at its outer edges. The immediate outer edges, I should say. He has to tolerate and suffer through seeing all kinds of things when he looks out his window, when he steps out his front door. See, he thinks that as hard as he has to work and as much as he has to pay, as much of his paycheck that has to go toward rent, he believes that he shouldn't have to deal with that. And you know what? I agree. But he wants to stay in the city. He loves Boston. But this is where we're at. We need to we need to care about the people who live in this area. We do. We need to care about the business owners. And 
you know, obviously the pandemic has compounded the difficulties that business owners, entrepreneurs encounter, have encountered, right? I mean, people didn't go out because what? People were told to stay home. And then a lot of people stayed home and they didn't get money (laughs) or they had to fight to get money. And so for much of the pandemic, there were a number of people who didn't live on very much. And they didn't have a whole lot to live on to begin with (laughs) pre-pandemic. So you can imagine how challenging That must have been. But one of the side effects, if you will, of the pandemic is that we have the great resignation. And so uh, (laughs) maybe rather late in life, I've, I've come to really appreciate economics and I increasingly, I, I have, uh, developed a very strong interest in it, how the economy works, the different phenomena, the, the phenomena rather, the different trends. And so, so here I am. And so I've been reading up on the great resignation. And so, you know, a lot of people, when they finally did get their money, they're like, my goodness, I'm making more sitting home than when I was working. When I was working, I didn't have much to show it, show for it. Like this gentleman that I spoke about just a couple of minutes ago. Um, and some of these people were also saying, or have been saying, or do say that, well, I also didn't get treated very well at work. So I'm going to now see if I can work on my own terms. So you have people, uh, you know, they might be doing the Grubhub or Uber Eats or something like that. And so they can make, a lot of money, the ones who, you know, really hustle or some of the ones who really hustle, some people are able to make money um, three or four days. They work really hard. And then, the, the you know, the remaining three, four days a week, they can just relax. But they kind of see themselves as their own bosses and they prefer that. They prefer that because they want more money. They figure if they're going to work hard, they want to see more green. (laughs) So, you know, you have a lot of these businesses that might very well have problems hiring people. I mean, we have uh, stores around Methadone Mile, retail, restaurants. So these are certainly businesses, sectors that I've had difficulty staffing, right? So, (laughs) You have you have all of this going on, and, and you you say to yourself, okay, just how are these businesses supposed to survive? And then add to that, if you're talking about a store, then you have attrition. You have the loss of merchandise because you have the some of these addicts, a lot of these addicts that are going into these stores and they're stealing for their habits. To, to to supply their habits. So we got to think about the businesses. And I remember I, I brought that up. And I don't remember anybody else doing it, but I did it. And, you know, 
people like to complain about the important issues, but when they're ready to do it. And then it's got to be a certain way. And if they see other people doing it in a way that's not to their liking, that doesn't like fall within their narrow confines of approval, because maybe someone else who's speaking uh, upon a particular issue has more knowledge or, you know, has more experience or whatever, then that person, you know, becomes aggressive, you know, and says, oh, what are you, you know, what are you talking about that for? Oh, you know, so with me, you know, I was talking about the entirety of the situation at Method Mile. So someone pipes up about the addicts and, Quite frankly, I'm sure this individual really didn't care about the addicts, but the person needed to have a stone or two to throw at me. So this is what it was. And I was accused of not caring about uh, the addicts down Method on Mile, you know, because I was talking about businesses. And it's like, well, you know full well that that's not the case. But again, we can't pretend that businesses in that area are not suffering because they are. And they deserve attention and respect and acknowledgement for their concerns, for their worries, too. And then, incredibly, we have what? We have schools where we have very young children who are exposed to horrors. There is no reason why we should have young, small children stepping over needles, seeing people shoot up, seeing fights seeing people stumble around like zombies. The political class should be deeply and horribly ashamed. Really, there are two elementary schools on Methanol Mile. And I, I have to follow it more closely, but I've heard talk about wanting to move a successful charter school, Roxbury Prep, to Methanol Mile, you know, that area. And I'm like, are you all crazy? Very recently, there was a man that was charged with sex trafficking on the mile. But we want to move yet another school there? Really? And a successful one, too? Not that any school should be there. Uh, you know, however much a school is, is, is struggling, you know, let's say the school is, is in need of a considerable assistance. That doesn't mean that the student body, the educators, should be in a setting that is unsafe. Of course not. So let me, let me be clear there. And, and, and they're no more deserving, uh, the student body and the educators of success, than any other school. What I'm simply trying to, to convey is that I think it's outrageous that there are schools there, particularly with students so very young, and they're thinking of moving another school there that's doing well. And it's like, okay, it's doing well, but how long do you think it's going to last if the student body and the educators have to contend with us stepping outside the school grounds and seeing all of this that I've been describing? It's fairly outrageous, isn't it? And I just, it, it's... It's, I don't know what to say. And I think that in 2020, 
what I would say, whether it's to myself or a select few, I would say, you know what? I don't know how people get to bed. I don't know how they sleep at night. Now I'm going to say, I know how they sleep at night because they don't care. So whether we're talking about the politicians, members of the political class, or we're talking about these activists. Now, I've mentioned uh, in the past uh, Catherine Vitale, who is of Dorchester, and she is running for the 7th Congressional District seat here in Massachusetts. Uh, I personally don't think she has any business running for it because, again, it's where's your platform? What experience do you have that would allow you, permit you to do the job? That would permit you to be a congresswoman? You know, and and calling yourself an activist. I mean, anyone can call himself or herself an activist, really. It's, It's a word that's just blithely tossed about. But I bring, I'm bringing her up because I remember in 2020, I asked her repeatedly to come down to the mile, and she always looked for excuses. And the reason seemed to be, because she's now going down there however often, maybe it's been once or twice, or maybe it's more frequently, but I would say that's just because now she can make it more about herself. Now, I fully appreciate that that's nothing more than opinion. And there might be however many people listening saying, no, 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 she cares about methadone mile. She's down there because she cares. You know what? That's wonderful. That's great. Right? Marketplace of ideas. That includes not only ideas, but also opinions and the more the merrier. This is mine. But she's not alone. And I, I think that we need to be at a place where if we're in a position to do good and make a difference, then we need to have the skill set and the knowledge to be able to do so. I don't think we need to tick off boxes. I don't think we need, well, you know, there's only so many women and breaking glass ceilings and shaking tables and big, bold structural change. I don't care about any of that. I never really have. I mean, don't get me wrong. As a woman of color, it's a woman, a person of color, woman of color. It's obviously, it feels good. It has felt good to see other women of color, other people of color, other women succeed. I mean, I think people were tribal, and we want to see people like us, you know, <laughs> whether it's, you know, people, uh, same gender or uh, same ethnicity, same faith, same, you know, same whatever. Uh, you know, it, it makes us feel good to see that individual succeed because we say, well, I could maybe succeed then too. And I think that there there is, I, I do think that, I don't mean to to minimize how important that is. I don't want to disparage uh, people who, who want to see more of that. But I think that we have allowed that to replace and act as a substitute for actual experience 
and knowledge. And that's got to stop. So let's go to a quick break. When I come back, I'm going to talk about more issues that deserve attention. And I'm going to talk about essentially how they're not receiving attention. And, you know, at the end of the show, I'm going to really, I really want to hammer home, like I really want to underline what it is we need to make a difference, to move forward. But let's go to that break first. Hi, it's Olivia Munn with my shelter pets, Frankie and Chance, reminding you that when you adopt a shelter pet, you discover all the things that make them unique. Adopt pure love at theshelterpetproject.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the Humane Society of the United States, and Maddie's Fund. You hear that? This is my Boston accent. This is my Boston accent. Yeah, it is. Boston accent. This is our Boston accent. Hear it for yourself, discover your own. This is Boston, and we are all inclusive. Yeah, what you doing with your phone? Taking pictures? No, I'm asking questions. Like what? Hey, Bobo, do flowers have best friends? I'm sorry, I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me. I want to show you something. Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny, when I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes, when we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman. You are listening to me on WBCA LP 102.9 FM Boston, Boston's community radio station. So I spoke out, I think, fairly strongly about Methadone Mile. It's been something that preoccupies me, but I think it should preoccupy everybody. And concretely, because I think that a lot of elected officials, a lot of politicians and activists, because they don't know the entirety of the situation, they don't look at it from, you know, different perspectives, they don't look at it through different lens, they're basically sucking up a lot of oxygen and they're really 
rather than helping the situation, they're making it worse because they're making so much noise and they're making it more difficult for people who actually might have a solution, right? Because I feel like these activists, these elected officials, like there's some like State Senator Nick Collins. I love State Senator Nick Collins. Um, He's a smart kid. He went to Boston Latin School. He uh, has spent a lot of time in politics. Uh, He comes from a political family, a smart political family. They have given back a lot to the community, a lot to the city of Boston in general, and to the entirety of the Commonwealth. And Nick Collins deserves all the respect and credit in the world because he has spoken out. He's been one of the few to speak about Method Mile and really kind of go into detail. He's, he's fairly knowledgeable, and he has invited his colleagues to walk through that area with him. And so uh, he invited uh, State Senator Jamie Eldridge, who uh, his, his district is well, well, well outside of Boston. But to his credit, Eldridge came, he walked around, and, and I think that, that that's important because, again, Methadone Mile, a lot of those people there are not from Boston. They're really not, but Boston is bearing the brunt of not just the opioid crisis addiction, but the brunt of a number of addictions. And and it's just, it's the situation is unsustainable. We need more Nick Collins. We need more elected officials that are speaking to, to the various dimensions, to, to the various layers of the problem. Uh, you also have uh, State Representative Adrian Madro, who who's wonderful, who uh, helms he co-helms the the committee uh, that addresses issues around addiction and recovery and mental health, um, and he's he's wonderful as well. He he represents East Boston, and he also is given another, he just so happens to be another Latin school grad, uh, Latin school uh, rep and strong, um, but he's he's wonderful as well. He's given, he and his family have given a lot back to the community and to the entirety of, of the Commonwealth. We need people who are willing to, to um, this is my new thing now, I'm, I'm talking about identify. So what is the problem? But really, what is the problem? And speak to the different dimensions, articulate. Um, and that is, okay, you've said what the problem is in its entirety. Now I, I, there needs to be detail and, and just why it's a problem and, and speak to the impact that it's having on the community or communities and then resolve because then we want a solution. And I think that people like Senator, State Senator Nick Collins and State Representative Adrian Madro, uh, they they look for solutions. And, and that's we we need that. I, I don't need agendas. I, we have a lot of people who want to speak to headlines and, and agendas. And 
we need more people who are holding public office who are speaking to the actual issues in the community. And so that's what I want to speak more of, uh, speak more about, see more, see more of. Um, certainly, I'm going to speak more about this. And again, it's, it's identify, it's articulate, and it's resolve. Uh, another issue that I want to talk about is education. I can't stress this enough. We here in Boston, we are an education-based economy, period. And arguably, you could, you could say that throughout the Commonwealth, you know, really education weighs pretty heavily. It's, it's, it is educational institutions, educational venues, they serve as not only places of learning, but places of work for a great number of people. Like, so take Harvard University, for instance. So some of Harvard is in uh, different neighborhoods in Boston, some of the schools, and then you have other schools that are in Cambridge. Well, I'm going to say that and a lot of people might not know this, but Harvard is one of the biggest employers in the state. And then you also think of the role that research plays in this state. Now, you might argue that, well, it's just in certain parts. Yeah, but it's, it's the, the reach, the reach. It's, it's so extensive. It's so broad. It's so expansive. So it's, we need to pay attention to education. We need to make sure that residents are being educated. We need to make sure that, that there are a wide variety of options because we have a very diverse population. And when I speak of diversity in this context, I'm talking about interest and passion, not race and ethnicity. I'm, I'm talking about passions, interests. And so, you know, we have a number of people who might have a talent in this area or that area. They deserve to have a quality, of it, a quality education. Whether someone wants to go into one of the trades, or whether someone wants to go a more academic route. Or maybe someone wants to marry the two. Someone might want to, I don't know, uh, do something uh, in the green economy or the blue economy. And I'm going to actually separate those two. And I'm going to be speaking about that more and more, uh, the blue economy, that is. I think that... With all due respect to Michelle Wu, Mayor Wu, um, because and let me just say this: I want to preface my comment by reminding people that no, I do not like her politics. I don't, and I'm not thrilled about her performance, her job uh, as mayor, and I wasn't too impressed when she was a city councilor either. Having said that, if Mayor Wu does something that's good. She's going to get 
you know, she's going to get my my credit or, you know, not that she needs it. I mean, uh, well, yes and no. I mean, I'm one of the thousands of people she works for. But it's to say that I'm going to give credit where credit is due, right? So I just want to make clear that if I am critical, it's not gratuitous. I don't think that that serves any purpose. And I just, I don't have time for that. And I think that that really kind of, if you do have something, and when I say you, like just speaking generally, like if one has something, uh, you know, a salient point to make, well, by engaging in a gratuitous, I don't know, remark, you know, insult, disparaging someone, it it just, it kind of detracts, it takes away from the power of any uh, valid point that you're trying to make. So let me get back to what I was going to say. Uh, Mayor Wu, of course, has spoken a lot about the environment. Um, she has made this one of her her things, if if you will. And I think she is wrong to talk about the green economy with um, with no kind of nod to the blue economy, you know, you know, just kind of like conflating the two, because I think that there's so much to the blue economy. There's so much that can be said that and especially in Boston and in Massachusetts in general, that I think to kind of throw it under the broader umbrella of green economy, I think that it does this this um, field, this industry, you know, learning, economic, uh, it, it just educational, economic um, sector, industry, however you want to refer to, I think it does it a great disservice. So let's say someone wants to do something in the blue economy. It, you know, the person should have those options. We have an abundance of resources and we need to use them effectively. Right? And we also need to to make sure that in addition to using the resources that we have effectively, I think that we need to amplify them by having people that are capable, that think critically, that have a solid educational foundation, have a solid skill set, and that comes with a good education. There's no excuse for children in this state not to have a sound education. There's no, 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 no excuse whatsoever. And I also think I am a firm believer in being a lifelong learner. I think that Massachusetts is a very special place, and I think that people should continue to learn, uh, be enthusiastic learners, uh, you know, throughout their lives. I think that there should always be opportunities given to people at every stage of their lives, at different points in their lives, to learn and, and to grow and, and encouragement to be curious. So that's certainly another area that we need to really work on. And it's quite frankly, it's embarrassing because when you have 
something that's such a big part of the fabric of your community, of your city, of your state, and it's not everything that it should be. And in some cases, it's, again, it's an embarrassment. Like in Boston, the educational, the, the school system, the educational district, it, it's it's been on life support now. I mean, it's it's long been a problem, but over the last two, three years, it's been on the brink of a receivership. And, you know, you have people like Boston City Council, Julia Mejia, who's arguing against it. But she's also one of the same people that was very critical of the exam schools. And it's like, okay, let me get this straight, Julia. Well, let me let me see if I can recap all, all like, you know, you know, every place you've been in, in this debate. The schools that are, okay, first of all, again, the Boston Public Schools is on the brink of receivership. Not once have you articulated a plan. Not once have you, you know, for improvement. Not once have you spoke to the tsunami <laughs> of 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 issues that have have come that have like really kind of I think really come from the the pandemic or should I say that have just been heightened by the pandemic not once have you offered anything even to just give students really an extra opportunity it's it's just it's really kind of sad it's pitiful because i'm pretty sure that councilor mejia wants her daughter to have a good education so what's the problem in wanting that for all our children Okay, so first of all, there's that. She's fighting against the receivership without offering any kind of plan for improvement. Second of all, she has been a vocal opponent of the exam schools, which are the only schools, some of the only schools that are working. So you can't offer anything in the way of a solution, I mean, I'm a solution, it's not just down, to be fair to Councilor Mejia, it's not just down to a city councilor, right? You know, it's, it's, it's the city council altogether, and of course the mayor. So the mayor working with the city council, uh, you know, working with the school committee to, to get this done. But, I mean, she, I mean, I haven't heard anything of substance. I haven't heard anything at all. And then on top of that, you're gonna you're gonna have a swing, or two or three, at the schools that are producing examples of students whom we would expect to see graduating from Boston Public Schools, given the reputation of Boston as a city being the Athens of the New World. Seriously, Julia, really? Okay, so. We need to do better there, right? 
So obviously in Boston, it's more than just do better. (laughs) There's just, there's an abundance of problems. And then there's also, of course, problems around safety, uh, physical safety. Um, There have been just, it's heartbreaking. Um, You know, there have been instances where uh, people have been violated, students, um, it's just, it's, it's really, it's, it's a cesspool. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's chaotic. It's heart, it's just heartbreaking. Uh, but I, I do want to say that there are some success stories. There are some students that are, 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 are learning against all odds in the schools that do need, uh, deserve assistance because there are great educators, really, truly, and I mean that, I can't stress that enough, throughout Boston public schools. There are some phenomenal educators. And, you know, they might be at a school that needs help and, and they, they should get it. And, you know, they're working with the students to make sure that the students are learning. Right. And then, of course, you have the schools that need less help. And then you have, you know, and and then there, you know, the maybe or not maybe, but there are more success stories. And, And that's and that's wonderful. And that's great. And that's beautiful. But that should be the norm and not the exception. And it it never should be um, success should never come uh, against all odds. So I just, again, it's another issue where we need people. We don't need people who who satisfy a checklist. We need people, it's certainly not a checklist that focuses on making history. I'm over making history, right? Um, I want to make a difference. I want to keep people in Boston. I want to keep people in Massachusetts. That's another thing. People people are fed up, you know, by some of the things, a lot of the things that I've discussed tonight and other things that I'll discuss in future shows and that I've already uh, begun to outline or that I have been uh, uh, talking about in detail. We just, we need great change. We need balance. We need knowledge. We need expertise. And it just, it's, you know, with COVID, it's, it's become abundantly clear that that's not always what we've had. And so I hope that with, with hopefully most of the worst of the pandemic behind us, what I'm hoping is that one silver lining will be that we'll have a better crop of people standing up to run for office um, to assist uh, the elected officials that have been and are doing a good job. Uh, and on that note, uh, I'd like to say good night and thank you as always so much for listening to me, Rachel Meiselman on Bostonian Rap. I look forward to hanging out with you next week. The preceding commentary does not reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass., 02119, attention WBCALP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, call WBCA at 
3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.